0: Welcome back to Are Parents Proud of You, the summer edition. I am Matthew Schufrider. Did you miss me? I missed you. It's been about a month since we've done one of these. Uh, happy to be doing them again. And I'm very excited to tell you my yesterday. He played Bert in the original production of Mary Poppins on Broadway. And for me personally, I known him as the original Squidward Q Tentacles in the Broadway production of Spongebob the Musical. It is two-time Tony nominee Gavin Lee. Gavin Lee is currently performing as Richard Henney in Drury Link Theater's production of The 39 Steps. We met over Zoom. He was literally about to do a matinee when we were recording this. He was from his it was from his dressing room. So very excited he's had some time to talk with me, all things theater and life. Here is my conversation with Gavin Lee. Gavin, thank you so much for having some time to talk with me. I'm very I'm very happy you're here. Hi, I'm glad to be here too. So I need to know. First of all, welcome back to Chicago. And uh, did you have to audition for this show? Did they reach out? What made you want to
1: do this show? I did audition for the, for this show, and I had a call back. Uh, like like all four of us in the cast, yeah, um, we all auditioned. Um, yeah, the my agent sent through the uh, the information for the audition, and uh, Thirty Nine Steps is a fabulous play that I saw on Broadway many years ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, that would be a fun uh, project to be involved in. And I love Chicago. I performed in Chicago three times previously, never out here in Oak Brook Terrace at the Drury Lane. But um, yeah, so the play enticed me and uh, I love Chicago. So here I am. (laughs) (laughs) The play, because you don't do plays very often. Was it just that too
0: that you wanted to try something new?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've only done a few plays in my whole 30-year career. It's all been musical theatre, so when a play audition comes up, you kind of jump at it just to do something different. I stupidly thought, um, oh, it's a play. It'll be less tiring than on all those musicals I do with tap dancing in it. Um, how wrong was I? I've never been so busted at the end of Act One every show. It's a killer. There's a lot of running. There's a lot of escaping. Um, and it's all comedy escaping, of course. So it's knees up high, run, run like a fool, and um, yeah, I'm I'm sweating like a pig in this show. So it's no easier than doing a big dance dance musical at all.
0: I was going to say, at this point, you're just used to the sweat, so you're
1: you're just oh ready. yeah. And this one is a sweaty one. My undershirt at the end of the show, I take it off, and you can wring it out. <laughs> I think but at, been- my, at my ripe old age of over fifty, um, it's good. It, it makes me feel good because I hate going to the gym. So whenever I get yeah. to do a show where I sweat like a pig, yeah. it's a good thing because I'm like, I don't need to go to the gym. I'm getting my exercise at work. You found your new cologne right there for
0: opening. So, <laughs> but I, you know, what, I heard about you doing this show. I kind of thought this is perfect because you have the face in like for a spy thriller or a spy or any kind of mystery. And then you realize it's the 39 Steps and it's this whole gimmick or this comedy. And that in knowing your personality, how you perform is perfect, I actually think, for this.
1: Well, and, and also, you know, it's very British. So, you know, my my natural London accent, I can swipe that away and go very RP, meaning very kind of royal. And, you know, everything's spoken like this because we're in 1935 and right. uh, I'm Richard Hannay. And, uh, and it's fun to put on that kind of very posh, um, almost radio voice from the thirties. Um, and of course, you know, this, this mustache, uh, which I grew for a job over the, over Christmas last year, I was in Sound of Music at the paper mill in Jersey and uh, played Uncle Max and grew a mustache. And it then got me two commercials. And so I grew it back for this audition. So, cause in the script it says, Richard Hannay with a pencil mustache. So this bit of facial hair is getting me jobs. So um, right. it, it might stick around even though my wife hates it. <laughs>
0: Is it true the mustache helped you get uh, that commercial with uh, Steve
1: Martin? Yes. Yes. I I have never got a commercial in my life. Uh, and then I got uh, this Nissan commercial because I was, because the breakdown for the part was a, a waiter, perhaps with a mustache. So I had this mustache from this job at Christmas. And then two days later, my agent said, oh, I have another waiter for you. Uh, one was a butler and then one was a waiter. And. Clearly, I got both jobs because I've got a bit of facial hair above my lip. I mean, that's clearly why I got the job. So, yeah, it's been giving me, bringing me quite a lot of luck. <laughs> I think
0: the mustaches are just making a comeback. As much as we like, <laughs> you know, they look creepy or they don't fall. They, they fall into like the wrong category. They kind of make the comeback. I think it's still,
1: well, Ed, to that it's making this comeback. Yeah, I, I like it. And but my wife was getting to the stage when we met a friend or something. The first thing that came out of her mouth was like, was just, oh, she ha- he has that for a part. He's playing a part when he's moustache. <laughs> I looked at my wife I'm like, what if I just wanted to grow it and have it? <laughs> and she looked at me like, that's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing for a 50 year old to have a moustache in this day and age. Right. Like, save it off right now but
0: uh, that's how I feel it, like family unions my parents my mom especially is like I just want my innocent
1: 12 year old back I'm like well this <laughs> is not healthy, you know uh <laughs> <laughs> who knew this podcast was going to turn into a half hour talking about facial hair yes well
0: now we have a sponsor uh, uh <laughs> so I wanted to now just take it back to young Gavin for a few yep. minutes what would you like as a child
1: um I was, um, I kind of got into kind of musical theatre um, at about nine. Um, so before that, I can't remember what I was into, but then it kind of, uh, it sparked something in me. Um, my I'm very old, so my very first dance classes were disco dancing. I nice. think you can't even go and get a class in disco dancing anymore, of course. But back in about 70... About 79, I think. Um, I started disco dancing and that, that that led to kind of like tap dancing uh, and a bit of ballroom and then community theatre. So by the time I was 10, 11, like my whole focus was, what's the next show we're going to do with the amateur dramatics company um, back in England? And just doing all the shows every Friday night, every all day Sunday was always rehearsing and then just lived for those Um, the week of doing the show down in our local theatre back where I used to live in uh, Woodbridge in Suffolk in England. And um, I did one professional job when I was 11. I went down to audition for a West End show, uh, which of course West End is uh, what we call Broadway in London. It's called The West End. And so where all the theatres are in London. uh, And I got into that show and did about four months but that was the only professional job i did as a kid i then came back home went back to school again until i was 16 and went off to college to train in musical theater down in london and by the time i was uh 19 i'd left college and i started performing and um yeah my dream back then was just to get into a west end show because you know any kids that went down to london to see shows you're like i just want to be in that i had no thoughts of ever um playing a principal or certainly didn't never have thoughts of ever coming to work in America because I was English. You can't just get on a plane and decide to audition on for Broadway. I mean, that's just not a thing you can do. You need visas and, and, and special passes to be able to do things like that. And so, um, yeah, my career just started off uh, in the ensemble of West End shows and was loving it. And then understudied, did lots of understudying, lots of like kind of dance captain, um, and then you know led to the big break probably was um Mary Poppins when i auditioned for the role of Bert um in the original first stage production of Mary Poppins ever since the movie in the in 64 um yeah and that that's the reason that i ended up in america back in 2006 yeah. i moved uh from london to new york was coming for a year to do to open mary poppins on broadway and uh never went home again <laughs>
0: It's amazing. There are two things I was reading about you, uh, and just tell me if they're true. The one was you saw your older sister take a class first, yeah. That kind
1: of helped lead you be like, oh, I kind of want to do that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I uh, if anyone knows the musical chorus line, I am Mike. I'm like, <laughs> I'm watching Cisco Pitapat Pat say, I can do that. I can do that. She used to come home from the disco dancing class. She was doing ballet and tap and disco, and I think I was, I was, I'd obviously seen Saturday Night Fever. And I was just, just going to say, things. did you want to be John Travolta? Yeah, and and show me the dance routines. Because in disco, you know, she just used to always learn a little routine and you could just repeat it over and over to any pop song, you know, any disco song. So she'd teach me in the lounge. I was this annoying kid, kid brother, who was like, um, show me what you did, show me what you did. And eventually my mum said, do you want to go? She asked my, my sister, are there any other boys in the class? Because she was worried I'd be the only boy, you know, back then. I think now, luckily, boys can go and do all their dance classes and there's not so much of a stigma stigma, stigma about it. Um, but back then, you know, my mum didn't want me to be like, oh, the one boy in the class full of girls. Yeah. Um, and so there was a couple of other boys in the class and, yeah, it all stemmed from there. So, yeah, it was my sister taking dance classes is, is the reason that I now do this. She, she just did it as a hobby yeah. um, and kind of gave up dancing but um but actually randy she's still she's still linked to the community theater that we were we were with back in the 80s she still does stuff for them so it's um but no one else in the family had ever done it professionally um i'm the only one that sort of branched out actually my my sister's daughter so my niece she's actually a now stage manager so she was all into the dance as well and i realized that she didn't want to go down that path so she's now stage management and she loves it as well so there's two of in the family that are in theatre. Yes, <laughs> your parents never did anything with the arts. No, no. My dad, like back then, you know, my dad was dragged into being crew for the for the community theatres uh, productions, and then within a year he was on stage as well, and so was my mum. So for a while, it was mum, dad, sister, and me were all very much focused on doing the community theatre. So we all loved it for a while there. I was just the one that then pursued it and carried on from from for a career.
0: Yeah, were your parents ever concerned when you when you told them you wanted to do this as a living?
1: Yeah, I'm sure they were. They uh, they they didn't really get it. I guess they didn't know how hard it would be. You know, if yeah. you've had no experience, like now, I have three kids, and the last thing I want them to do is to go into showbiz because it's it's so hard. You know, uh, until this job came up, I finished a job. The, those two commercials in the first week of January and then I didn't work at all so I was sat at home being miserable going how am I going to pay the bills um so even at 51 it doesn't uh, you know and uh, uh, all the great jobs that I've had and and like award nominations and all that stuff it doesn't make any difference you 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 get a few steps steps up the ladder in your career but it still doesn't mean jobs land in your lap um yeah. you still have to go out and find them and of course as you get older there's less and less jobs for you know there's more jobs for a 20 year old guy than there are for a 50 year old guy yeah. um yeah. so uh yes um they were probably oblivious to how hard it was my parents um luckily i kind of made it as a career but as i say i if my kids were interested in doing all the dance and all the singing i'd let them but i'd really be saying you don't really want to carry on with this. You want to go off to and become a scientist or a doctor or a lawyer, please.
0: Um <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just so it's it's great. It, was that the one thing you didn't know? Because like, you are like this two-time Tony nominated actor. You know, you would think like the other actors, you get
1: offered a role without having to audition, and that's it. And then I mean, it, I mean, I mean, I mean it's happened a couple of times a couple of jobs I've just been offered and they were great jobs and you're over the moon when that when your agent calls and said so someone uh, just wants to know your interest uh you know and sometimes you know what does that mean interest in coming in for an audition or interested in just taking the role so when you say i'm interested and they come back with okay they'd like to offer you the role i mean it's just amazing yeah. it's amazing because you because the amount of auditions you do and you don't even get a call back so for someone to put their trust in what they've seen you do in the past and say, yes, I'd like him to play this role without seeing him read any of the lines or sing any of the songs is a real boost to your confidence. Um, and it has happened a couple of times. I just wish I was at the stage in my career where it happened all the time right. and I could like turn jobs down because, oh, I'm going to do this one instead of this one. Yeah. It never works out like that. Um so yeah, it would be nice to get more just offers, but now I'm still certainly in the pool of, okay, what what have I got to learn for this audition that's coming up next week? Yeah.
0: But do you like that? Because I I think their uh,
1: brains are drive. That's like, okay, you don't
0: think I still have to audition? Well, fine, I can still prove I can do this.
1: No, I hate it. I oh. hate auditioning with a passion. I hate it. I hate um, auditioning. I hate waiting for the callback. I hate rehearsals. I, I love when I know what I'm doing 100% and I can just go in and do eight shows a week, the same thing every night. I love it. A lot of actors, you know, I did Mary Poppins in total for eight years. Right. And yes, of course, there were some years in the fifth, sixth, seventh year where I thought I was going to go mad because I was popping out of that chimney top at the top of the show, singing the same old winds in the east, there's a mist coming in. yeah, But but i could always step back and go no this is this is what i love to do i love because i love the security so if i can get into a show that's going to run for 5 years and they'll have me for 5 years i will stay there because i love the security more than um having to exercise my creativity i i've i'm kind of i'm i think i'm kind of past that when i was younger i had dreams of certain parts i wanted to play and i loved the process of getting the script starting to learn it going into rehearsals and, and and working with the director and all that now we appreciate all that but I love it when it's up and running like for, for 39 steps there were there's only four of us in the cast so I never leave the stage if I leave the stage in the show it's to run out of a door and run back in another door that's literally all I get time off in this show so there were so many lines for us to learn so much business and we were all panicking and we we'd, we'd rehearsed 10 to six. Um, for two weeks we only had two weeks in the rehearsal room oh. but, but guaranteed uh, we'd all go and get something to eat and then we'd come back together at seven o'clock and work till nine or ten o'clock every night on our own because we knew we just wouldn't be solid enough to do this show in front of an audience with just a two-week rehearsal process and we the lines were just would not go in we would we'd run lines and run lines and we would still be like oh, what's that bloody line and we just couldn't remember now we're a week into previews I think we're all finally in a place where the lines are actually in our head and we can start thinking about making choices and saying those lines slightly different and making them actually come from a real place rather than your brain's just ticking over going, what the heck is the next line? So I feel now I'm in a really good place. I'm really excited. We've had two days off. We've got two shows today. I'm excited to do two shows because I know those lines are now really solidly in my head. And now I can start playing and getting my character into the place I want to be in every scene. Um so this is now the fun part for me actually doing the show, getting it better, but 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 knowing what I'm doing. There's no pressure, there's no um nerves anymore because I now do know what I'm doing. I'm now right. just gonna hopefully get it better. So was that so first the- day rehearsals like usually that first day of rehearsals is kind of like a
0: w- welcome, everyone's very excited. There was there's was just nerves day one.
1: Right. Well, and there was there was a quick meet and greet, but there was no read through of the script. There was no time. It was it was like, we're not going to read through the script. We're going to go start from act, act one, scene one. Let's block it. Because Johanna, our director, you know, she knew there was very little time. And she said, I can't waste three hours reading through the script and just like talking about it. Yes. So like yesterday, we did have a our last sort of eight hour rehearsal yesterday on the stage. And finally, we could actually break down a few scenes and say, what are we actually talking about here? What are we trying to get across here? Because there was no time before that. It was just stand here, say that line, move that bit of prop and that bit of set. So so now is the fun time. The nerves have gone. We're confident. And we can just get it better before Thursday night, which is the opening night.
0: Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Where is this rank in your career's toughest pe- roles?
1: I don't know. I think you'd have to ask me that at the end of it all. Um, so that's so the, whole, the whole experience I can judge and put in a category, uh, put in an order. But it's certainly challenging for me because it's nonstop um, and it's a play. So you can't, I can't fall back on, oh, and then I put my tap shoes on, or then I sing a song. That it's all just be a good actor. It's not be a good singer or a big dancer. It's Be a good actor in this play. And because I'm the leading role, like, like Richard Hannay is, is his story, yeah. the other three actors are playing hundreds of characters all around me throughout the whole play. They they have, a, in a way, a harder job because they're putting a different hat on and coming up with a new accent and a new uh, physicality for every single character that they're doing. I'm I'm just the through line. Um, but that, then, then you feel you've got responsibility that it's my story so I've got to propel the story along and make sure the audience is coming with me and understanding what's happening because it's so wacky. And there's so many characters coming in and out that I'm the one constant that hopefully the audience can attach onto and, and follow me on my journey for for two hours.
0: That's so cool. I, wanna, I do want to, before we go into more specific roles, um, what's so cool about you is you have some shows in your career that you originated you know, obviously, uh-huh. obviously Spongebob. And yeah. now schools and community theaters are doing it a lot more. This is, for me personally, I played Squidward last year in a production. Right. And it literally in my apartment was nothing but Gavin Lee videos. Um, <laughs> oh, like, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, No, listen, I'm sorry that your face was on my TV every day. Uh, <laughs> but how does it feel knowing that, you are responsible for multiple kids, teenagers, young adults, whatever, doing performing
1: what you started. Is it is it a cool feeling? Oh, it's such a cool feeling. I, you know, I've really only originated two roles in my career. All the other shows I've done, they've done be- been done before. Like Richard Hannay and Thirty Nine Steps, has been done all over the place. So. You Know, I'm hopefully bringing something new and Gavin Lee ish to Richard Hannay that's never been seen before, but I'm certainly not creating a part, yeah. Whereas Mary Poppins and, and SpongeBob, they were original productions that never been done before, and you know, I was the lucky actor that got the role first. You know, I could have got the role five actors down the road and played Bert or Squidward, you know. Um, so it's really cool, it's only um. A, a few years ago, I went to see a high school production of Mary Poppins and I was sat there and of course it brought back a lot of um, reminisced, you know, and, and a lot of feelings about my eight years with that show, you know, which ended in 2013. So I haven't really thought about the show since 2013, 10 years ago. Um, so it was fun just to watch it and and then have my memories of, oh, how we how we staged that scene or how we did that dance routine. But also I know that in that Mary Poppins script, because I originated that role and during rehearsals, even though Julian Fellows wrote a script, it changed in rehearsals. And it's all a big collaboration with the directors and the choreographers and the actors and the writer. And I know that there's five or six lines in that script that will forever be in that script that I made up on the spot in rehearsals. Or if, you know, you, you know, sometimes you can um, pay to do, Mary Poppins and you can pay to do the choreography. and if people are doing the original choreography. I know that a lot of those steps are my steps because Stephen Mear, the fabulous choreographer was very open and like, well, what do you want to do here? And he'd let me do something and he'd go, he would be like, he'd tweak it and go, there you go. That's good. We'll do that. And it's the same with Squidward. Squidward was even more collaborative with um, Tina Landau, the director. She was very up for uh, all of us being in this just big pool big pool of water in bikini bottom. And what are we doing? What are we making up here? And so I know a lot of the lines, a lot of the things that Squidward does is just because I was the actor that originated it and got to make stuff up. And, and now, you know, you playing Squidward last year, a a third of what you did, I mean, you made it your own, but a third that was on the page was because of me and that's such an amazing feeling that forevermore, especially with SpongeBob, because I get messages daily. We're doing a production of SpongeBob, you know, just wanting to let you know. I mean, most of the time they're inviting me to come and see the show, but, you know, it's in Texas or it's in, you know, Maine. It's like, that's that's really kind of you, but of course I'm not flying to Maine to see your production (laughs) of SpongeBob. I'm, I'm, you know, I live in Jersey. Um, So um, it's really, yeah, it really warms my heart that, in my career, if they're the only two roles that I ever originated, how amazing is that? Because they're forever, I've forever put my stamp on those two characters in that script, that for years people are going to hire that script and do their own version, but the basis of the character was me, and you're going to take the basis of me and do what you want with it, but I'm there at the core, at the heart of that character. I helped create what is now on the page forevermore, and that's really cool. I love it. I love it. I mean, SpongeBob, I'm in, in a week's time, I'm actually flying to Texas to do a two day um, SpongeBob workshop because they're do, their summer camp is doing SpongeBob and they've hired me to come for the first two days. And I'm just going to get to spew everything SpongeBob that I know, all my experiences I had doing it on Broadway and creating that show and and leave them with that. And then they'll go off and do their own production of SpongeBob with the sprinkling of whatever Gavin Lee left for them, you know. Yeah. And it's just really cool.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for coming to the show last year.
1: Uh, <laughs> did you invite me? I did. Oh, you were one of the many. Guess what? If you could come, yeah, that'd be great. You know what?
0: You, you probably were just having that cigar and was like, you know what? I don't
1: want to go to Schomburg to go sit for this. It's so totally, it's totally fun. Yes, I've seen I've seen a, a couple of um productions of SpongeBob now. And the, you know, there, yeah, there's a limit to the amount you want to go and see. You know, I was just say, but it with- is it, but with SpongeBob especially, it is interesting how that's the thing about that show, it can be done so many different ways. There's right. so much scope to go as bizarre and wacky as you want. Um, so the two productions I've seen were kind of nothing like the Broadway production, and how great that they could come up with something totally different.
0: Which is great, because I just imagine Twitter as a C-list celebrity who thinks he's an A-tier celebrity and just rolled with that the entire time. And Oh, up. yeah, yeah. Once we went I, into the uh, song, it was a mental breakdown, essentially.
1: Yeah, I just always say, he's not, he's not just a grumpy neighbor. He's <laughs> just misunderstood. He believes he is the most talented thing in the world, truly believes that. And why does no one in Bikini Bottom see that? Yeah. And that's what brings the anger out. But he's not just a grumpy old neighbor. Because yeah. then I mean, you know, you've got to do more than with a character than that.
0: <laughs> right. Before we move on from Spongebob, there are three things I want to know. From my experience, and you tell me if you had the same thing. Um, you couldn't walk up and down stairs with the legs.
1: Exactly. Did you find that out the hard way? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, you just forget, don't you? For, so anyone who doesn't understand, Squidward, you know, it, 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 some productions don't do it, but in my production and clearly your production and many productions, they do give Squidward an extra two two feet, uh, two legs. So they're attached kind of to your waist and they come out kind of your butt and the feet, the heels of the feet are attached to your real heels. So when you walk, they walk with you. But because there's a pair of shoes pointing backwards out of your body, you kind of forget that. And so when you go to walk down a step, stair- downstairs, as soon as you step down one step with your real left foot, your fake back left foot is still on the top step. So it immediately tips you forward and you plummet down the stairs. I did that once in the tryout in Chicago when we did the show in Chicago. And I did it once at the Palace Theatre from Broadway. Never did it again. Then you have to. So anyone who ever plays Squidward in the future with the extra legs, You have to treat stairs like a ladder. You have to turn around the wall backwards.
0: Yep. The other one was I had two dressing rooms, my own, where I would go in. And then the legs were downstairs by the stage. Right. I would would put on, like, the gym shorts and get it in, like, my costume from the waist up. And then, like, ten
1: minutes before the show, I have three people help me get into the legs. No, I was lucky on Broadway. I was on the third floor for my dressing room, but we had a lift. We had an elevator. Um, so I could get dressed in the dressing room um, and then went down in the elevator. If the elevator was broken, then I was doing comedy backwards. You, three flights down the stairs, back, pretend they're a ladder. down yeah, You
0: were you were a Clouseau for a hot second. So Yes. Yeah. Yes. The last one was, I'm not sure this ever happened because Broadway has a bigger budget than Schaumburg, which was sometimes the legs would almost come off or a foot would start to, the screw would break loose or something like that.
1: That ever happened? Yes, I I had one show where the the connection between my left heel and the fake foot heel which was metal, they made these metal um metal heels so they were really strong, but it snapped one show. And so yeah, I had kind of like a a dead tentacle like just hanging off my hip for luckily it was only about the last 20 minutes of the show. So my whole show became like in profile because I wanted to try and not show the audience the broken leg. So yep. I kept it upstage all the time. So uh, yeah, uh, for the last 20 minutes, I was kind of like always facing sideways. Yep. Um, But yes, I, I fell over on stage and bent the leg and snapped the foot and then had to, and then it's funny seeing a guy with four legs trying to get up off the floor as well, quickly, yeah. embarrassingly. Cool. Um, but then it just becomes like the big, like, well, is it this actual leg that's broken or just the prop leg? exactly yeah and you're hoping it's the prop leg yeah
0: (laughs) no pain no game you know yes (laughs) uh before we move on to the final the final round questions i do want to ask so you also teach if you're not working on a show you you do teach have you always was the teaching just become because you've just been a choreographer or been dance captain or how what made you want to
1: teach Well, I did a lot um, before I moved here. So before 2006, um, I was in shows in the West End and I'd go and teach at a lot of colleges just because I enjoyed it. You know, um, tap or jazz kind of class and then musical theatre class. And then I choreographed quite a few um, uh, like uh, third year productions in colleges, you know, like their last production before they graduated things like that and a couple of little tours so I did do quite a lot of choreography and but then when Poppins happened I was just very busy with that and then I came to America and then I was busy with Poppins for another six years in America and I never really um I kind of let that go which I I kind of regret and and I would like to try and get back into um choreographing and directing now I would like to um just try and get into that but I do the I mean, bottom line, I do the teaching for when I'm not working and I need to make some right. money. And um, it's a, a skill that I think I'm quite good at, and especially during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of um, online um, teaching just because for actors there was nothing else to do. Yeah, um, yeah. and then and then because of SpongeBob, I managed to um, uh, kind of get into doing workshops for SpongeBob. So straight after the pandemic, No, it was actually the year before the pandemic, Um, once SpongeBob closed and I wasn't working. I I went all over the country. People were booking me all over the country to go and do one or two day workshops on SpongeBob. And that's before it was licensed to be able to do. So it's before schools were then able to do the show. They just they'd seen the Nickelodeon um, video, uh, you know, the filmed version that we did um, and just wanted, you know, someone from Broadway to come out and do one of their summer camps or one of their weekend musical theatre camps and uh, Spongebob was just very accessible to a lot of kids and so as I say next week I'm going to do one on our Monday Tuesday off here I'm going to go and do one in Texas in Dallas Fort Worth Um, and that'll be fun to uh, get immersed in Bikini Bottom again and uh, listen to all the songs and teach them some choreography and uh, work on the characters because it's always fun to work on these ridiculous Spongebob characters.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Well, we have
1: some time, and we're gonna play a game. All think- right. Oh god, I'm always I'm always terrible when you're gonna ask me something, come up with answers quickly, and I'm like, I can't remember, I don't know. Like I just think, what's your favorite musical? I'm like, I don't know, I can't remember.
0: Well, don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you what's your favorite musical because okay. I'm
1: better than that.
0: Uh, this game is called Time for Two. It's two minutes on the clock. It's random okay. breaker questions. There is no right, and there is no wrong. Okay. All right, you ready?
1: I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Are you a morning or night person? Um, I used to be a night person, but since I had kids, I now get up at six o'clock every day and I don't mind. <laughs> what is in your fridge right now? Oh, not a lot because I'm here on my own without my family. Um, Bread, eggs, a salad bag, Um, uh, zero Coke Zero. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee, love it.
0: Is there a role you wish you would still
1: play? could play um a role i wish i could the role i always wanted to play was jp pierpont in um uh how to succeed in business without really trying but i'm way too old daniel Radcliffe, harry potter played it last number way he's like 12 so clearly i'm too old
0: (laughs) uh what's a tv show you are
1: binging right now i just finished watching all the seasons of black mirror on netflix oh jeez a bit weird but yeah, it was funny. Yeah, I watched one before I went to sleep every night, and then had bad dreams.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, is there a podcast you're listening to right now?
1: Um, I have uh, the one I listen to most is probably that Shameless. Nice. It Shameless? No, not not Shameless. Um, Smartless. Yes, the one with yeah. Jason Bateman. Yeah, Smartless. Smartless, not Shameless. Smartless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, AC or DC? AC. Yeah, fork,
0: spoon, or knife? Uh spoon. Favorite kind of cheese? Um, very strong cheddar. Do we live in a? Do we all live in a yellow submarine?
1: No, we do not. Favorite president? Yeah. Well, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Favorite president?
0: Oh, Obama, hundred <laughs> percent. Is there an eye in the sky? Is there a what? An eye in the sky.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> and that's how we play Time for Two. Absolutely not. <laughs> there ain't a- no one looking down on us. It's just us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> There's no <laughs> meaning to life. We get born. We do what we like for a few years and we all die and we become Earth again. That's it. Salsa. <laughs> You've just lost half of your like, listeners. Like no, oh, you I, can't are- <laughs> said that. I can't listen to him anymore. Horrible atheist.
0: I think you just have a sold out show now.
1: <laughs> All
0: right, Gavin. Thank you so much. Before my my last question to you is, are your parents proud of you?
1: Oh, uh, yes. My mother is too proud of me. Like, is I almost can't set foot back in my hometown because the everyone's like, oh, that's Gavin Lee. All we ever do is hear about you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's too proud. It's like, okay. mom, shut up. I love you, but stop talking about me to everyone. So that's, there's a proud mom for you. That's so cool. I say that because she won't listen to this podcast. So I can say that. <laughs> well, I'll take that.
0: <laughs> Gavin Lee, thank you so much for jo- joining me and break a today. Have a great show. I will see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more information about The 39 Steps and where you can get tickets, how much tickets are, and some other information, go to drillingtheater.com The 39 Steps. It runs June 21st to August 13th. And that is it for today's episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening in general. Uh, we've been doing this show, I think this is four, four years we've been doing this show. 2019, 2020, 21, 22. I'll be close to five, maybe actually. Four or five years. But um, I love doing this show. I know the breaks are sporadic, um, but when, uh, when we I do them, it's been so much fun. And I thank Jenna for editing these episodes and being uh, my sidekick through all this. And I look forward to doing more of these soon. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Instagram. Email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see you soon. I'm Matthew Schufrider. Take care all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.